Welcome to the Inklecast. This week, we're going to be talking about the realities and the practicalities of actually running an independent game studio. I'm John. I'm Joe. And I'm Tom. So Inkle is a small studio, right? There's two of us. Originally, there were three of us now plus, you know, contracted friends and that kind of thing. Mm. And we try to make games that we love. We try to make games that no one else is making, that we wish people were making, that mm. we feel can be made well. Mm. But we also try to keep our heads above water and make sensible business decisions and attempt to make some sort of money and maybe perhaps think about expanding and that kind of thing. So I guess the question is, how indie are we? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I guess the question that I had in my head was, are we doing this right? Because I think we sort of are running a business. I sort mm. of feel like someone who's running yeah. a business. But should we be starving artists? Because I think when we started, we tended to do a mixture of our own projects and then kind of contract work and agency work for people doing, which was fun and quite interesting. And, and that made the money. And then the the personal projects, the more personal projects were allowed to fail. And that felt like what indie studios are supposed to be doing. Mm. But we don't seem to be doing that anymore. So I guess from my point of view, the way I like to think of it, the way I like to think about the business side is that when people buy our games, they're voting for what they like with their wallets. And if you're willing to pay two or three pounds to buy a game um, and as a business, as a company, you can afford, you can actually find, you know, 20,000 people, 100,000 people who are willing to spend money on your game, then that's sort of proof that you're making things that people enjoy and that people are willing to buy. And I think if you can convince enough people that uh, your game is good, then you deserve to be able to make a living out of it. Um, so that sounds not like a classic business, right? A business goes to the market, looks at what the market says it wants and then delivers on that. Well, promise. but that's another question entirely, because depending on the company you ask, there are a surprising number of top companies and innovative companies who don't, at the senior management level, they don't actually think like that. They don't, I mean, Apple doesn't go to uh, a focus say, group. Do they want an electronic pencil? Yes, exactly. <laughs> say, no. like, it's sort of like the, the Steve Jobs business model of, I know what I like, and so I'm going to... Mm. Um, you know, convince everyone else that this is a good idea. It's interesting because I think when we started off, we were kind of doing that, like the whole mm. idea of making like nice looking, accessible, interactive stories. We felt like no one else was really doing it as well as it could be done. So let's do that. But we tried to back it up with, and meanwhile, we'll do some sort of web development projects or some app yeah. development for other people that's sort of yeah. roughly within our space. But Yeah, but we were trying to survive at that point. Yeah, still. definitely. Yeah. We were trying to survive. And now I kind of wonder whether... I guess there was a point a couple of years ago when we could have made 80 Days 2 and we didn't. Like, mm -hmm. And if we were a business, if we were properly a business, we would have recruited two or three people and made yeah. them go off and make 80 Days 2 while someone else made 90 Days and someone else made 75 mm. Days and someone made 80 Days To a certain caveman. extent, we <laughs> did do this in the sense that we brought the game to multiple platforms. I suppose that's true, which was a very which business Which is definitely a business decision and not a... Artistic. Like, I just want to move on and see where my my uh, creative vision leads me kind of thing. It, mm. wasn't, it wasn't that. It was like, we actually just want to bring the game to more people. Um, 
Oh, yeah, right. That's probably the most businessy decision that we've taken in the last few yeah. years. Was almost to take a year, a year off actually designing new right. things. But then, so and then to answer your question of like, um, are we still being businessy? I guess are we are we are we trying to make decisions um, with a view to being businessy, or are we making creative decisions? I do like to think that you can satisfy both things at once because of what I said that like people will vote with their wallets. And so I like the idea of designs, designing something that's genuinely exciting, that's innovative. And as a result of your innovate, innovation and your own passion behind the idea, you will design something that people enjoy. And I think that's the way I think about it. So the goal is to try and be. That's, that goes back to that idea of trying to be mainstream, doesn't it? Or at least, if not actually bang in the centre of mainstream, a bit closer to the centre of the channel. So, like, trying to do things which are, we, we, I guess it's something we've always done. Trying not yeah. to be fringe, trying not to be I think too that, avant-garde, not I trying think to that's be too the outlandish. Thing. I, think that, I think that's the thing that interests both of us, actually, that we we like this type of media which is a little bit pulpy or a little bit mainstream like the star wars and the indiana jones and all of these kind of george lucas steven spielberg style uh mm. things we don't like to be too avant-garde and that's just what that's just our own tastes um and that's reflected in the types of things we make and the business decisions we make i suppose like i can't claim that we're making the next star wars <laughs> but we're but we do like to make things that are quite accessible mm. i mean i've always been struck by accessibility as kind of a design challenge it's partly because i come from parser text games which are the least accessible thing in the world mm. so it's, it's the elephant in the room the whole time is how do you get anyone to play this down but thing. then when when we were both coming up with a business plan or a, an, an idea of something to to build initially i think what was in my head is that you really liked interactive fiction and I felt there was an opportunity there to create something that was both innovative as well as proven. Proven in the sense that interactive fiction is enjoyable by some people, but accessible in that it can be enjoyed by more people if you just fix a few problems with it. So if we were to widen the conversation away from just like what we did, because obviously what we did actually was we just made it up as we went along and then had some reasonable <laughs> success with some games, which has allowed us to relax a bit. That's mm. the, the truth of it. You know, whether we were lucky or clever is, yeah. is, is, is a coin toss, really. But in general, for all those people who want to set up indie studios, who, who love the dream of being an indie studio, should they be aiming to be profitable should they be aiming to be self-sustaining or should they be aiming to knock something out in their spare time while they're working for other people should they be treating it like authors of books who who tend to write while working mm. in a real mm. job for quite a long time or should they be aiming to to incorporate set up their office mm. and take that entrepreneurial risk or does it depend on what kind of game they're making does it depend on who they yeah, are yeah i think i mean I would say that actually, if I was to, you know, leave and start again from scratch, um, I do think we actually took a good course in that we did what we wanted to do while also um, doing work on the side. And then once we felt like it was sustainable and that we could spend all of our time doing the thing of, that we love, we did that rather than mm -hmm. kind of saving up all our savings and then 
spending three years building the thing of our dreams. The one thing, the one clever thing I think we, we did with it when we were doing agency work and personal projects was that even the agency work tended to contribute to our personal projects. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not necessarily in terms of actual code, but certainly in thinking. Mm. So when we're designing things, we often go back to the Penguin Kingsville Files app as a reference mm. point, or the Poetry app, even, yeah. as things that have been useful along the way. And yeah. I think that was that was probably a smart focus, I guess. Yeah. Tom, oh. if you were setting up, if you were to leave Inkle tomorrow, which <laughs> we hope you don't do, <laughs> and setting up, would, what, would you, what would your chosen route be if you decided to take one of these many, many prototypes you've made? Yeah, sure. Um... I almost certainly wouldn't do what I thought I was going to do about two or three years ago, which is go off and make something really artsy and avant-garde and sort of the the idea of I like it so it'll work mm. if I do it right kind of approach. Because I don't <laughs> yeah. think that almost ever works. Like all of the, the big indie hits, they look like they're really... The, the ones that really do look like they're on the fringe, they actually have something pretty core about them. Like everybody thought Fez was pretty risky, but it's a platformer. Mm. And, you know, mm. Minecraft is, like, its roots in so many things that made it easy to take mm. off. And that's not detracting from those games at all. No, They no. are clever uses of existing ideas, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unproven things are almost impossible to design from scratch because, they're, they're, I mean, it's almost impossible to birth a new genre. But it's so attractive. that we used to say early on, actually, was that we didn't want any product we made to be too new because every time it had a new element, mm. you had to explain it to people. And if you had to explain more than two things up front, people would say, I don't know what this is, and they wouldn't, they right. wouldn't want to play it. Mm. But yeah. at the same time, you don't want to do the opposite and make something incredibly generic or something that somebody's seen before yeah. because it won't sell. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely a balance there, isn't there? I think maybe it's just something that's that sort of become intuitive for us that we do without really thinking is that we try to both think about what inspires us as well as thinking about not going completely wacky. But mm. is that just something that we do anyway? Just because compl like crazy, wacky, experimental ideas aren't just in to our taste? Yeah, maybe. I mean... It's interesting because I do feel like that's an ongoing struggle. Like on the, the secret new project, one of the... When thinking about the world and the plot, I'm constantly having that debate mm, yeah, of kind yeah, yeah. of, can we do this idea or is that too ridiculous? Yeah. And never quite knowing the answer to that. And that will eventually settle down. Yeah. And it'll develop its tone and it'll seem obvious at the time. But, mm. you know, there must have been a point when they were writing Indiana Jones where somebody said, and then actual God is going to actually turn up and kill the Nazis. And someone else must have gone, are you sure, George? I think I think they just didn't think like that in the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It was just a, just a given project. Maybe actual God wrote actual Indiana Jones. Who knows, Pass the cocaine so. plate, George. <laughs> For me, I think it's about finding a nice... Uh, something that's a niche that works. So I think what Inkle does is kind of the perfect example of that. So taking these fairly niche text adventures that nobody really ever managed to work on a sort of mass market level, but are clearly appealing. Everybody obviously loves stories. There's plenty of people who read out there. And if you make it accessible, you put it on a platform people like, and you tell stories that people like to, to hear, I think potentially you've got a winner. I think that's it's about having a good formula. Also, I that... think that's always been our, our theory, actually. Mm. I think um, doing that... Um, with a purely reading-based, prose-based, um, pure text-based game has been a bit of an uphill struggle. Like, it's definitely found a market, and it's definitely been 
great for us, but I think we can achieve a higher scale if we um, go beyond pure text. Mm. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about that description is that sounds a lot like your standard tech company argument. Let's take something which we know works like taxis. Let's make it a bit more accessible and convenient through the medium of of digital wizardry Mm. and then ship it to people who already know they want it. Right. Except that we tried doing basically explicitly that with the idea of the book. Mm. And I guess that sort of proves that it's quite nuanced that I think we basically failed to do that with just uh, when, when, when trying straight to straight up interactive reading. Right, exactly. Yeah. Just trying to sell uh, an interactive book to the book market. It's interesting, isn't it? Like making a book that was kind of written on the fly. That was the original idea. Mm. That didn't really seem to sell. People didn't really connect with that. But mm. making a game which told a strong story. Yes. That was something that people there already wanted. Yeah. And kept which pretending is, that they were finding. Which is strange because that doesn't sound so clever, does it? No. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. I think another element is having the right people in your team to do the thing you want to do. So let's say you've got a vision and you're going to make um, quirky storytelling platformers. Like you're going to make hundreds of Thomases are alone. Mm. you're going to need somebody who can tell quirky stories. Like if you're Crows, 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 you need your William. Like they have the right team for the job. Yeah. So I think just like, you know, when I make silly things at university and I just say, oh, you can program, let's just make a thing. It doesn't really work if you don't have the right yeah, people for absolutely. it, especially in the tiny team. Absolutely. You need people that can really specialise but also diversify. So I guess what's interesting about that is that makes it sound less like a business again and more like a band or something yes, like that yeah, you've got much. to have a good drummer you've got to have a charismatic singer you've got mm. to have like you know a guitarist with a real psychological problem and then you put <laughs> those people together and they can be brilliant they might not be but at least they've got a shot mm. whereas if you're kind of bland and generic and you're just filling a market niche you're going to be a, a beatles tribute band and that's what you're going to do and you might that's the business end of musicianship <laughs> like you get gigs regularly but you never get to write your own song no one wants <laughs> right. to hear it yeah so it's all very well for us to say these things, but if someone's listening to this and they think, well, I've got this idea for a game where I've got an idea for a game company and I've got an idea for a team, how can they know that they're doing the right thing? Mm, what do you do first? Yeah. I, I think that is a really difficult question because like, what we did first was completely weird in that we mm. went and found a, a publisher and built an app for them that happened... A to, book publisher. A book publisher, yeah. yeah. But we, we basically did an agency work that happened to build a bunch of technology mm. that we wanted and we knew we, we needed and we were able to keep. I think, I think perhaps a general principle is that you should be cautious than... more cautious than you might think because... Mm. Um, it's mo- almost everyone fails, I think, and you don't yeah. see the people who fail. Yeah, like they fail. everyone normally tells you, you should go and do your dream, and you should like really focus on only your dream and really push for what like your your real vision. And while that's partly true, at the same time, I think it's really important to stay grounded and make sure that you can survive mm. from month to month. And I think one one piece of advice that I, you hear a lot that I really despise is that go big or go home. Yes, advice. exactly. Because exactly. that is perpetrated by venture capitalists who are already big yes. and large companies who are already big. Yeah. And that is not advice for mm. real human beings who are starting out. It's yeah. in fact it's advice designed to bully the real human beings into not entering the market mm. because we might accidentally be the the Uber to their taxi mm. and they don't want that. 
like I hate that piece. every time I hear it I think you're, you're just you're not talking to me at mm. all you're talking yeah, to exactly. some mythical person who isn't in this room mm. so for our next project we are going big, slightly bigger we are definitely going, going bigger <laughs> but if it completely fails if we spend the next year but building something which sells zero copies we will still survive mm. we we won't be completely dead in the water we will still be able to employ Tom we will carry on <laughs> making games um we might get more conservative in the next yeah, games that we make. Absolutely. We'll learn from our lessons, but we never get to the point where we're spending all of our money on one thing. Well, we might at some point, but it's not its not <laughs> happening yet. Yeah, exactly. We, we will run out eventually. Um, 80 Days 2. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, Hi, guys. Do you remember the classic 80 Days from 2000? And... No? <laughs> um, so if there was one piece of business advice you could give to a startup, what would it be? So I remember the advice that I really found useful at the beginning was to collaborate. Like, I remember we used to talk about this a lot, do collaborations with, mm. with kind of useful people who are better positioned than you are. Mm. Like, don't make a game on your own. Make a game with somebody who wants a game made, who has some marketing reach, that kind of thing. Mm. I don't know if that's really useful advice because you have to find those people and that can be very difficult. Yeah. But we definitely did that more than once and it worked out. That's part, yeah, it's partly about finding the right team and it's partly about spreading the risk, I suppose. Mm. But I mean, I don't just mean collaborating internally. Obviously, mm. we, we do that. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, like collaborating with Penguin worked yeah. well for us at that time. But exactly. I don't think Penguin would be open to that now, you know. Yeah. How about you, Jay? Ah, uh, well, I feel like I've basically said it, yeah, that I would, I would spread your risk initially by by doing two things in parallel, do, having a project that is the, the more risky option where it's got no guarantee of success, but it has the potential for a higher higher degree of success if it does succeed, um, as well as doing something that brings in money, um, at least until the point where you've bootstrapped mm -hmm. yourself to to do something that's a bit close to what you yeah, really want to do. And at the do. risk of sounding really cynical, the thing that brings in money might be agency work and it might yeah. be sorcery part four coming soon it's gonna sell something and in a sense that's what we're doing right now we're doing one product which has an established market and which doesn't yet it's true like what they say about having multiple um revenue streams and it really does help that we now have a back catalogue of games which are ticking over they're not bringing in huge huge amounts of money but it's helping us survive they're definitely reducing the the monthly yeah the monthly risk so if you're thinking of starting a company and um, you're wondering what to do and whether it's going to be a success, we hope this has helped somewhat. <laughs> don't ask us because we don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs>